Well, my name is Ryan. I am a, an associate minister in Life Stage 2. What that means, I have no idea, but I am a disciple of Jesus. Um, I'm his, and, uh, um, and I got asked to preach tonight, and, uh, and, uh, and I get to preach on a parable of the sower. So if everyone will turn to Luke chapter 8, we'll start in verse 4. Um, I'm going to pray again uh, before we get started, but uh, let me pray. Oh, Father. Um, Lord, I thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you for your mercy, Lord, towards us who believe. And, and uh, Father, I just pray over my brothers and sisters, Lord, that just like Casey said, Lord, that you would give them eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord. Um, not me, not, not anything that I offer, Lord, but that your word um, would be proclaimed, God, and that your word would change. You say that your word is sharper than in a double-edged sword. And, uh, piercing to uh, the marrow, Lord, the center of who we are. It's able to divide spirit. And, um, and God, I pray that your word would speak tonight, Lord, um, that uh, you would be glorified, Lord, and that, uh, um, Lord, you would just bless my brothers and sisters, Lord, in this room. Um, I thank you. I praise you. I worship you, my King. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, cool. Um, so I... Uh, I wanted to I wanted to start off with uh, I was talking to Robert Newberry and uh, have you guys heard of the Quan? Yeah. No, the Quan, not the whip. Uh, well, I, no, well I didn't plan this. I was like, ah, oh, it's probably a terrible idea. This is Red Church. So it's clean pair of sneaks with a designer belt. Please watch your step because I'm feeling myself. So I was going to start off with that. <laughs> I was like, I don't know that's appropriate to church. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to share what's... <clears throat> so what we're talking about tonight is the parable of the sword. And so what I wanted to share was a parable, not a parable, a time when I got to be a sower of the Word of God. And uh, I worked in college ministry here at Christ Chapel for three years. And, um, and so I had a lot of opportunities. A lot of the men in this room I got to, to share life with and, um, and just see a lot of fruit. And it's, it's been really cool. And um, I've also uh, got to share Christ with a bunch of people that are not in this room, and, uh, and I've gotten a lot of different responses, and, and I, uh, I met up with this guy one time at Einstein's, and, uh, and so we met there, and we got coffee, and he got a bagel, because I don't eat bread, and I was like, ah, bagels are for squares, and so uh, I, I got my coffee, and we sit down, and um, man, I love getting to, to sit down with men and just listen to their stories, and so... Um, I was like, man, I just, I want to hear about your life. Tell me how you got to TCU. Tell me um, just your story. I, I love getting to, to hear these things. And so he uh, told me about his life, walked me through his whole story, and, and I sat there and listened. And I was like, man, I just, I love hearing the work of God in other people's lives. And so um, just sitting there listening, and, uh, and then he asked me, he was like, man, well, well tell me a little bit about yourself. And and I love when people ask me to tell my story because I love getting to the part where I get to talk about Jesus. So it's um, just this, I just love getting to share what, what God has done in my life. And so I just get really excited. I'm just like, yes, I'm glad just ask. I'm just hoping that people ask me to tell my story so I can talk about Jesus. And so um, I walk them through how I grew up and, um, and uh, how I went to college TCU and I, and I chased after the things of the world and, and all of them were empty and, um, and, and I encountered uh, the king of the universe uh, four years ago. Um, my buddy shared the gospel with me and, and four years ago I gave my life to Christ and I dropped my nets and I said, okay, Lord, whatever you want, um, I'm, I'm all about that. And, 
And so I got to walk him through, you know, I, don't, I didn't know if he heard the gospel or not. I was like, okay, man, I'm just going to share the gospel with this guy. And so I started in creation and was like, man, God created us as an image bearer. He, he created us male and female that we would go and, and co-create um, and, and, and bear his, and display his glory uh, to the creation. And so, um, so he told us to do that. And, um, and instead of listening to God, we, we believed the lie and we worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. We believed the lie of Satan. And so the Bible says that we have, we're no longer, we're, we're now children of wrath. We are slaves to sin and to Satan and that um, we are dead in our sins and trespasses. And so in order for a dead person to be made alive, something has to happen. A dead person can't just make himself alive. And so what God did is, the Old Testament is God pursuing his people, and he's, he's, he's loving his people and, and pursuing them in, with the intention of restoring them back to the original design. And so um, if you look in, in Kings, um, Samuel the prophet, sorry, if you back, back up to Samuel. So Samuel the prophet, um, the people come to Samuel and they're like, Hey man, we want we want uh, put a king over us. Like we need a king, and and God goes or Samuel goes to God and he's like, what the heck, God? Like they're they're asking for a king and he's like, man, here Samuel, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me as their king. And that's as as creation as God's image bearers, we we wanted a king above us rather than God being our king. We want we want other people to be our king. Put somebody over us. We don't want God. And so. There's this brokenness, and God continues to pursue us. And then the fullness of time comes, and God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. Because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, and we are all condemned to hell. And, and God sent his son into this earth to come and redeem us. The, the God who created his creation comes, and he puts on flesh, and he walks, and he lives a perfect life. He lives this life that we were designed to live, but we couldn't live it. And then he goes and he dies the death that we deserve in our place as our substitute and, and, and has offered us a new life. He died the death that we deserve and he rose again to a new life. And he says, hey, I, I came. I didn't come to condemn you guys. I came to save you guys. And he hung on a cross naked and he bore our shame. The God who created, who created us, we rejected him. And he, he hung on a cross. The, the creation rejected him and he died for that creation because, because of the great love of Jesus Christ. And so, God has offered us a new life, and that life is, is now, and it's in, the, it's in the future, it's eternal life, and God has offered that eternal life to us. And so, I'm sharing this story with this guy, and I'm walking him through all these things, and, and I get to the end, I'm like, man, what do you, this is a response, it's a man's a response, what do you think of this? And, and he looks at me, and he's like, it's cool, man, I'm glad you found this Jesus guy. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, in my mind, I was like, this is the clearest presentation of the gospel that I've ever given. I was like, how did this guy not just convert? What is going on? And so um, I'm shocked, and I, and I leave, and I'm like, what the heck, God? Like, man, I was, I was so good, right? Like, what do, you, what do you mean? And so what he showed me is that, Ryan, you can't convert anybody. You can't change a heart. You can't make someone love me. And, and I thought about it, and I was like, man, I, I can do nothing. I really can't. I'm just called to be faithful with this message, but I have no power to change anybody's heart. Um, in Corinthians, Paul says, um, 
in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. He says, I planted my boy Apollos water, but ultimately God gave the growth. Um, the one who plants and the one who waters are one, but, and they'll receive their wages, but only God can bring growth in somebody's life. In, in John chapter 6, um, Jesus is speaking, uh, verse 44, he says, Nobody can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him in, and I will raise him up on the last day. So ultimately, as, as believers, we're just called to be faithful with the message. We can't change a heart. We can plant and plant and water and plant and plant and water, but ultimately, unless God brings growth in somebody's life, it's not up to us. And so this parable, Jesus gives us this parable, and he says, it's a preview, and, and, it's, and he's going to give us this parable to show the different responses to the message. He says, here, there's four different responses that you're going to get. And it's probably not limited to four, but here's four responses that you're going to get whenever you share this message. And so let's walk through it right now. Let's start in, in verse 4. So he says, And when a great crowd was gathered, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell among the paths and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell in good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. This past week, uh, we had the opportunity to go to, uh, we got to go to Denver for a fall break trip. And, uh, and on the last day there, we were... We, were, uh, we had a couple different service opportunities. We had some people go to uh, a pregnancy center. Um, we had some guys do con- construction on a building. And then uh, the group that I went with, we got to go and work with some refugees. And so <clears throat> we show up, and, uh, and I'm expecting to like, work with these like, seven-foot-tall Ethiopian people. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to be epic. And so we show up, and, um, and they tell us, uh, hey, um, we're not going to be working with refugees today. We're going to go and we're going to like tear up a garden. And I was just like, what the heck? What is, we signed up for refugees, right? And so we go out and this lady, Judy, epic woman, she takes us out to this garden and she's just walking us through and there's, it's just a, it was just a cluster. I wish we had a before and after shot of the place. It is just like, it's a community garden and there's just stuff everywhere and like there's some tomatoes and like some stuff like scattered but it's just a mess and we're just like oh okay well and she was like well here's what we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna tear everything up and then we're gonna turn over the soil everything she's like yep we're gonna tear it all up and so (laughs) we get out there and um and we're like pulling up these um pulling up these plants and so it's so interesting because as, as I'm thinking, I was going through this passage, like, dude, like, I just saw all of this. I just, all of these examples that Jesus gives, I just watched them in this place. There is clear, when we walk out to the garden, there's these pathways, and there's rock on the pathways, and they've been trampled down and trampled down, and there's no way that any seed is going to get inside of that soil. And so, there's the first soil. And then we're digging inside the garden part, and um, along the rims, there is what appears to be dirt, soil, and then you get a shovel and you attempt to turn it over and you jump on it and it doesn't even go in but like a half an inch. And so it was just a mess. And so it was deceiving. It looked like there was going to be soil there, but it wasn't. And then you move a little bit closer on the inside and there is, uh, there's plants um, that were planted, but weeds and thorns have come and, 
and taken over. And so the thorns are actually bigger than the plants. And so we're just ripping up plants, and then you have the good soil, and there's these big, luscious cabbage plants and tomatoes, and it just... I don't even like cabbage, but they looked awesome. I was just like, that's awesome, okay. And so we get to see all of these different soils. Um, and so what a cool picture of, of what Jesus is talking about. And he says, he who has ears, let him hear. And so you can just imagine everyone sitting there thinking, what? And they would have known all these things. This was an agriculture society, so they know all these things. And they're just like, huh? And so his disciples walk over there and like, hey, what are you talking about? Like, what did you just say to them? And so Jesus responds and he says, when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. So basically what Jesus is saying is, hey, I've given you guys understanding to these parables. Why? Because they were super special? It's like, no, because they believed Jesus. They had faith in Jesus. They left. Peter dropped his nets to come follow Jesus. Uh, Matthew just left his tax collector's booth, to, I guess, to come, to come follow Jesus. And so Jesus gave them understanding because they came to him and they believed him. The Pharisees, he didn't give them because they were self-righteous. And they saw him do the miracles. They saw him heal people. And still they were like, no, like... This dude's healing demons by Beelzebub, right? This guy's casting out demons by, by Beelzebub. It's like, okay, well, I'm not going to give you understanding then. And so Jesus doesn't give them understanding. He gives understanding to these people who, who need him and who come to him for answers and who ask him. It takes humility to come to someone and ask for something, um, especially when we think we got it figured out. And, so, um, and then he continues to explain the parable, and he says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. So the seed is the word of God. If we look in John, John chapter... Sorry, I should have this marked. Verse 14, he says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word. In Matthew it says... Um, the word of the kingdom. So the kingdom was here. The king showed up. Jesus, the word, this whole thing, the Old Testament, everything this was talking about, this word, everything that that was pointing to, came and dwelt on the earth. God came and was on the earth. He's talking about himself. He said the word, he said the kingdom, wait, the seed is the word of God. The seed, I'm the seed. I am the word of God. This is, he's talking about himself. And so he says, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Um, my, uh, my family member, um, I've had plenty of these where it's, it's just like the, guy, the example that I told you in the beginning of the guy I went and shared and I, and I was so clear of the gospel and there was no response. It just went in one ear and out the other and it just floated off. And so... That's, he said that's going to happen. When we, when we share him with other people, he said this is going to be one of the responses. People have hardened their hearts. They, there's been such traffic of the world on top of their hearts, and they've calloused their hearts so hard that there's nothing going to be able to penetrate in this season. And so we don't worry about that. It's like, okay, Lord, like, I'm still going to be faithful with the message, and I'm going to go and I'm going to share with somebody else. 
But what's crazy is you don't know what God's going to do with that because I also shared a story. I shared the gospel with a guy who, um, same exact reply. Oh, man, like, dude, cool Jesus story. Like, I got it figured out. Like, I got, like, a great job, and, you know, I got, like, this babe girlfriend, and so, like, I don't, I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't need the whole Jesus thing. And so I was like, okay, cool. And so I'm not kidding. Three years later, I was praying, and I was like, Lord, put people in my life that I can share your gospel with. And two days, three years later, I prayed that prayer, put people in my life who I can share your gospel with. Two days later, I get a phone call from a guy, and he says, man, I don't know what's going on. It was the same guy. He's like, I don't know what's going on right now. I don't know what's happened in my life. I'm just lost. I need help, and I need guidance. And I met up with that guy, and that guy is a follower of Christ now. That guy goes to this church. He is a, he is a member of the family of Gaia. Amen to that. So you don't know what's going to happen when you share with somebody. God just wants us to share. Isn't, you're not responsible for the answer. You're responsible to plant and water and, and be faithful with the message. And so um, he said that people were going to reject it and not even listen. Um, and so the next soil, when we look at it, he says, And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in times of testing... They fall away. I, uh, I have a family member who um, this is exactly what happened. Um, he, we went to an event, and, um, and he heard the gospel, and we were sitting in my car, and he responded. And he was like, man, I, I want to give my life to Christ. I want this. And, and so I got to sit there, and I got to, he, he prayed with me, and, um, and uh and he was super stoked, like, yes, Jesus, salvation, like, let's do this. And then testing came, and trials came, and his friends came back into his life. And he said, man, I don't, I don't really feel like, this doesn't, I don't feel different. I just feel the same, man. I don't, you know, I, I kind of like, my life was easier when I was doing whatever else I was doing. Like, when I was with my friends, like, my life was a little bit easier. And so he walked away for a, a season of his life, and... Because the world called him, because the word, it had, no soil, it had no root. It was just on that, that shallow surface, and it sprung up quickly. It was, an emotion, it was all based on an emotional response. There was no roots there. And so, what happened? He walked away. Look at the next soil. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. This is a person who, and maybe they're involved in the church. Maybe they, um, I just imagine like, yep, man, I'm a Christian, but I'm also, I'm adding Jesus on with, with everything else. You know, he's a part of me, and so, dude, I'm totally, I'm, I'm sold out for this whole thing, and I've done all these things, and I'm in that Bible study, and, you know, I'm doing this thing, but... Man, life's getting hard, and my job is so stressful right now that I don't even have time to get in the Word. I, don't, I just can't make time right now, and so, and I just, I don't know, man, like, I'm, I'm, I mean, I think we're still good, but like, I, don't, I just don't have time to get in. Um, I don't have time to go to my small group. My, my job is, I got to work 50 hours this week, and so, instead of 40, it's like, dude, I got 50, and so I can't make it that night. I don't really have time to get in the Word, and and what becomes more important, 
the things, the job, maybe success, maybe the, the riches of, of the world, the pleasures of life. I, I used to have the idea of like, man, like, I'm just going to work really hard right now and like achieve all these things. I'm going to get married and then like get this job that I want. And then when I'm like 50, then I'll start my relationship with God. I'll do it then. Cool. There's no fruit there. It's just going to shrivel up and die. There's appearance of fruit. It looks like it right on the surface, but what does Jesus say about no fruit? John 15. Verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Fruit. You judge a tree by its fruit. Um, You know, what's important in this life? Jesus says that, man, seek first his kingdom. He says, man, I have, sorry, I'm totally like jumping ahead maybe in Luke. Ah, We'll go back to Matthew. We'll just use the Matthew passage. So Matthew 6, he says, um, man, if God, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Don't give away the ending. Okay, so he, he says, uh, you know, God, God, God feeds the birds of the air. They, they don't do anything. They don't sow. They don't reap. God feeds these birds, and they literally do nothing. God clothes the lilies of the field. And not only does he clothe them, he, he, he dresses them with splendor greater than Solomon. And they don't toil or spit. They do nothing. And God cares about these really insignificant things. How much more does he care about you? who were made in his image. He says, don't seek after the things the Gentiles seek after. Don't seek after material wealth, all these things. Don't seek after clothing and what you're going to eat. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and these things will be added to you. You can't put the cart before the horse, right? Get the job first. What if you die? What if you're focused on your job? I'm just being honest. What, I mean, what, what, what if you put, you know, what if, oh, man, i got to get married, that's my ambition right now. I've got to get married. And then once I get married, me and my wife will have me time. And then we'll go. So what about God's time? Whose who's life? What is this about? What are we doing here? This is God's purpose. You were born into his plan. This is not about us. It's about him and his glory and his name. And he's allowed us to take part in that. But this is ultimately, it isn't about us. It's about him. We were all each born 86, 97. There's probably some people in here that are born in 97. I heard that on the trip the other day. It was crazy. I was like, what? 97? What's going on? <laughs> okay, I feel really old. I'm not even that old. Um, but we were born into his plan, guys. Like, this isn't about us. It's about him, and it's about his glory. And he's called us to proclaim his word. Let's look at the last soil. He says, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Good soil. Those who are hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart, right? By nature, we're not good. None of us are good. Romans says that. There is no one righteous, not one. No one is good. No one, no one does right. No one seeks after God. No one's good. This, this person is good because they've been made good by the grace of God. That's it. That's, it's not anything that they did. It's, it's, man, okay, God, I need help. Jesus came for the sick. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sick people. He came for the people that knew that they needed him, and they were about his purposes and his, his story. And so, who are these people? What do these people look like? These are people who, 
man, maybe, maybe this person sold his house and he lived in a trailer so that he could continue to pre- preach the word of God and be a part of the, what the Lord was doing. And he, he wasn't concerned about what he wanted. He was concerned more about what God wanted for his life. Maybe this is a person who, who sold his house and, and moved to a new city because he wanted to invest his life with, with students. The good soil. The person that Jesus talks about in, in the end times when, man, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. These are the people that realized, man, I was naked and God, fed, God clothed me. And I was hungry and, and God fed me with the bread from heaven himself. He gave his life for me. Now I'm going to live for him. That's these people. So my, my question is tonight, where, what soil are you in? Where are we at? Are you, the, are you the soil that says, maybe you're here and you've never, you've never heard this. I'm so glad you're here. Maybe you've never had a chance to respond to the Lord. I, I pray that if you have that desire right now, that you respond to him and that you have a new life. He's offered you a new life. He's offered you eternal security, salvation. He didn't call you to safety. Following Jesus is not safe. You might die. Talk to the guys in Oregon. They lost their lives for the Lord. It's not safe. But it's forever. He's, he's prepared a, for us a place that is so much greater than anything that this world has to offer. A hope that is unfading, undefiled. It's kept. He has a place for you. He's got a, Lord has a place for you. A, a, a place that you can call your own. That you get to worship him. And the presence of sin is gone. That's what we look forward to. We look forward to the day of the redemption of our bodies where we're not... We're not wrestling with sin. We're not wrestling with this crap that we wrestle with. These struggles, this war that goes inside of our body. Maybe you're here tonight and, man, maybe you made a commitment when you were a little kid. And you went to a worship service and it was a super emotional event and, and you got up and you walked to the front and you're like, man, I want to follow Christ. But then, man, life went on and it got hard. God's calling you back to himself right now. If you feel that, man, I don't know who's in this room. I don't know what happened. Maybe you had an emotional experience once, but God is calling you back to himself. He wants you. He wants you. He's calling you his own, his child, his, his son. No one can snatch you out of his hand. He's calling you home. Maybe you're with the thorns. Maybe you're, you're working and... You got, you're just busy, man. You don't have time for God. God's calling you. Repent. Change your mind. What's, what's important in this life? Eternally, what has value? Because one day I'm going to live, I'm going to work for something, and then one day I'm going to die and I'm going to be a rock in a graveyard somewhere. No one's going to remember my name. I've used this analogy before. Who knows the guy who, who invented the zipper? Nope. No answers? Nobody knows that guy. Nobody cares about that guy. He invented something, and we get to benefit from it. But no one cares who he is. I don't even know who my great-grandfather was. No one's going to remember our name, but what we do, it lasts into eternity, echoes into eternity. The decisions that we make in this life directly affect what's going to happen in eternity. What are we living for? God calls us to be the good soil. He came 2,000 years ago. He put on flesh, right? The king of the universe, I'm just so blown away by this, came and put on flesh to redeem his creation. And if you're in the room and you know that, and that you've been living that out, then I, I pray that you would, you would remain steadfast. 
Blessed is a man who remains, remains steadfast on the trough when he has stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life. But if you're in this room and you, you're, not, you're not where you want to be, man, God's calling you to repent and, and, and share, right? Share this good news with other people. Romans talks about, man, how? Romans 10, he says, sorry, my thing got off. He says, how will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? You're not in charge of who believes and who doesn't. We're just called to go preach it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. We all have an obligation to God. All of us in this room, we have. We can either be reconciled to God. Second Corinthians five. He says this: the oldest passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We have an obligation to God. He has done this for us and we can either choose to freely, by his grace, be freely brought back to harmony that was, that was lost in the garden. We can have that reconciliation. Or we can choose not to and do it our own way. But either way, like... It's, it's a, that's a reality. It's either one or the other. Um, and if you're in Christ, you are an ambassador. God has you in your workplace, wherever you're at. I don't know where you're at, but he has you in that workplace, not for the work. He has you there for the people. He has you there. You're going to work heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, but you're there to be a mouthpiece for him. That's why you're there. God wants to use you to bring other people to the knowledge of who Jesus is. That's why we're on the earth. That is why we're here. And so God wants to use you for that purpose. But what is it going to cost? Everything. It costs everything. Jesus says, if you don't renounce all that you have, you can't be my disciple. If you don't detest everything else in this life and count everything else as loss, as Paul talks about, you can't be my disciple. That's what it costs, guys. It costs everything. It's not easy. If it were easy, everyone would do it, right? But it's life. It's the best life now, and it's the best life in the future. Eternity with the Lord, right? Christ came, and he paid the penalty for our sin. He, the power of sin has been lost, right? Christ sent Pentecost. Christ sent his spirit so that you could put to death the deeds of the body and walk in the newness of life. And one day, ultimately, the presence of sin will be gone. That's a reality. That's what we live for. That is what we look towards. We look to the hope that is unfading, undefiled, kept in heaven for us. That's what we look to, church. I love you guys. Um, I, I wrestle with this. What soil are you? Where are you at? God calls all of it. If you haven't made that decision today, man, I, I pray that you would. I pray that you would come talk to somebody. I pray that life change would happen, that you would come and get, get involved here and get around people that love the Lord that are going to help you grow and stir you up to love and good works. It's the only life, guys. It is literally the only life. That's all we have. It's, it's black and white. Jesus said, man, I wish you were hot or cold. I don't like the lukewarm people. Hot or cold. You pick. 
So what soil are you? Let me pray. Lord, um, I thank you that you sent Jesus, Lord, to, to give us new life, to give us, uh, Lord, to reconcile us back to you, to bring us back to the former harmony that was broken in the garden, Lord. I thank you for that, Jesus. Um, Lord, I pray that everyone in this room, Lord, would hear that, hear how loved they are, hear how, how merciful and slow um, to anger you are, Lord, and abounding in steadfast love. If people would just turn to you, Lord, you would heal them, Lord. I pray that people would be healed tonight, Lord. I pray that the lives would be changed. I pray that your name would be glorified, Lord. Um, may this not be words, Lord. May this be a reality, God, that people would give away their lives in service to you, Lord. Um, I don't know what that looks like, um, Father, but if, if it's in their workplace, man, if they're, if they're making decisions, um, Lord, based on uh, things that aren't real, God, that, that aren't glorifying to you, uh, and you're calling them away from that, Lord, I pray that you would give them boldness to step up and, and walk away from those things, Lord. Um, or if it's a relationship, Lord, that's not honoring to you and they know it, Lord, I pray that they would step away from that relationship, God, and, and, and be found only in you, Lord, uh, the good soil, Lord. You are, you're so good to us. You're so lovely, Lord, and, and I praise you for that truth, Lord. I, I praise you for the cross. I praise you for your resurrection, that we have a new life in you, Lord, that we get to look forward to that life. Um, Jesus, may we, we just finish this night, Lord, just worshiping you. Lord, may this be about your glory. May this be about uh, your name, Lord. Um, um, Father, um, you don't need anything from us. You're not served by human hands, uh, God, but you delight in us. You delight in your kids, Lord, and um, that we mess up. You're not disappointed, God. You knew that we were going to mess up, and you sent Christ to fix that, Lord. And, and Jesus is your mind made up about us, Lord. Your love, Lord, your, your freedom, uh, God, that people would, would live as people that are free, not, not slaves, Lord, to the world and to, to things that don't give life, Lord. Um, praise you, Jesus. I worship you. It's in your name. Amen.